0: Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. Governor Roy Cooper vetoed the budget passed by the North Carolina General Assembly on June 28th and offered up a counterproposal a week later. Now more than a month has passed and the General Assembly has yet to bring a veto override vote to the floor, And publicly, there seems to be little movement on a budget compromise both sides will accept. This week, we sat down with Governor Cooper and we discussed the state of the budget, his priorities, particularly in education, and what's next one month into a new fiscal year without a state budget. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S., State Superintendent Mark Johnson is sticking with his decision to switch to a new company for assessing how well North Carolina students are reading. In June, he picked the computer-based iStation for a three-year, $8.3 million contract instead of continuing to use Amplify Education's M-Class program. Last week, DPI formally rejected a a protest by Amplify. The decision has been controversial, Public records show Johnson overrode the recommendations from an evaluation committee, which he had formed, that said the state should continue to use the M-Class product. North Carolina has won federal approval from the U.S. Department of Education to change the way it tests the reading and math skills of elementary and middle school students. The plan is to replace the single high-stakes test given at the end of the school year with shorter and more personalized, but more frequently throughout the year. If the five-year pilot goes as planned, the new testing system will go statewide in 2023. Finally, the state's A-F school performance grading system will be sticking with its current 15-point grading scale permanently thanks to a bill signed into law last week. The way the state grades schools has been criticized as nothing more than a measure of poverty. Many public education advocates fear changing the 15-point scale is an example, for example, to a 10-point scale, would make even worse by labeling even more low-income schools as failing. Now remember you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, we're one month into a new fiscal year and still no final state budget. I sat down with Governor Roy Cooper this week over at the Governor's Mansion. Well, Governor, thanks for having us over here to the mansion to talk about the budget and some other
1: priorities in education. Thanks for stopping by the People's House. That's what it is, (laughs) the People's House.
0: Well, Governor, it's been a month since you vetoed the state budget passed by the General Assembly. Um, Largely along party lines, the the budget was passed. And it's been a few weeks now since you offered up a counterproposal. I guess my first question is, what is the status? Are, Are there negotiations? underway between you and the General Assembly leadership to find something that
1: y'all both can can live with? I vetoed this budget because it didn't invest in enough in education, it didn't do enough to get people covered with health care, and instead it concentrated on cutting more corporate taxes and putting more money into unaccountable private school vouchers. So what we've been doing here is we presented a compromise to them and instead of negotiating with us on trying to find common ground with honest give and take, they spent all their time trying to buy off enough Democrats to override my veto. They've been unsuccessful so far, and it's been a month. And in fact, this is day 23, as you and I are sitting here right now, where we put forward a reasonable compromise, and we've seen no response because they're so busy trying to override the veto and get the budget the way they want it, which is what has happened over the last eight years. It's time for that to stop. The people in 2018 voted for more balance. They got rid of the super majorities in both the House and the Senate. So I think people wanna see us talk instead of this uh, power play of trying to override the veto. Did you anticipate, um, I guess,
0: more um, either a negotiation or a compromise up front or now? Like you mentioned, I mean, you, um, you, you've had, you issued 28 vetoes prior to this year, only three this year, which I guess in one way you could say, well, there's, there are more things coming to you that are, are okay. That but at the same time, it does, you're not, at least from the public perspective, it doesn't look like there's any real negotiation
1: going on. Well, I think the, the fact that we have broken the supermajority, it has suppressed more of the bad things. Uh, They don't like to lose, so they aren't sending bills to me. They know I will veto, and that veto will be sustained. But this budget, uh, it's not really a negotiation right now because we're still waiting for the counteroffer. Instead, they're going to individual Democratic legislators offering millions of dollars of unaccountable money, have even put on the auction block, the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, an entire state agency. You ever seen anything like that? Never seen anything like that. They say that they'll move this agency to whatever county a Democratic representative will vote to override the governor's veto with no feasibility study. It's all about power politics, and it's time for that to stop. I think the people want us to negotiate. I would ask them to please respond to our reasonable offer. Well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about some of your priorities
0: um, and sort of where you differed. Like, I said, you did veto the original budget. We'll talk a little bit about your counteroffer, uh, teacher pay.
1: Yeah, um, we're so- way apart on teacher pay. And we need to try and get to the national average as quickly as we possibly can. And I proposed in my budget a 9.1% teacher pay raise. Uh, no teacher would get less than a 3% raise. We, we want to make sure that veteran teachers are taken care of. They ha- uh, the legislative budget, however, really short t- changed teachers this time, uh, like a 3.13.2 3 percent raise. Uh, they are not And we doing had seen bigger I mean I mean I mean to,
0: to their credit, there had, there had actually been bigger pay raises over the last few years than what we saw in this proposal. So there had
1: been some movement on teacher pay before, and I don't think there's any question that the fact that people are talking about it and demand it made them do more than they would have done but what they did is concentrated more on the teachers who are newer into the system because their salaries are lower and it's easier to get a bigger percentage when you're investing in early teachers. The problem is the veterans have been left out. And right now we've got legislation trying to coax retired teachers to come back into the system because we know we need more good quality, proven teachers in our system. And we have to show them respect and better pay. And that's why we need to negotiate this. I started out at 9.1. I think their budget is around 3.8. And we've made a compromise proposal of 8.5 right. and we still Because have you that. obviously
0: that's not one that you came off a lot on because you felt like that there was I so feel much strongly
1: room. that that's not high enough. Right. So, you know, we don't want to be negotiating against ourselves. We are negotiating for our public schools and for our teachers. This is too important. Would you rather have a yet another corporate tax cut, or would you in, rather invest in teacher pay? I think most people in North Carolina we know the answer to that. You, you talked about you just mentioned
0: respect a minute ago, and I know when you had your press conference announcing the veto, you didn't talk just about teacher pay. You also talked well, this is pay, but it's 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 not direct uh, base pay. You talked about restoration of pay for achieving a master's degree. You talked about something that I think maybe folks who are not in the education business don't know that teachers pay for their own substitutes. Um, I think we've all talked a lot about supplies. I think people are kind of getting that
1: idea now that um, we're not doing that there. So where do all those things fit in for you priority-wise? You know, it's interesting when teachers came to Raleigh to make their voices heard, they talked more about uh, investments in schools, about making sure we have a higher per-pupil expenditure, making sure we have quality school construction making sure we have technology, supplies, and, and equipment. I, I've said many times our teachers care more about outcomes than they do incomes, but it's important to be able to attract and retain the kind of people that we need to get that salary up, to show them respect, to talk positively about our public schools. Masters pay. When teachers try to improve themselves, we need to reward that. Uh, when the teacher can't make it to school one day, they shouldn't have to reach into their own pocket to pay for a substitute. That's something that the state should handle for them. That's part of the whole package of respect for teachers, respect for public education, working hard to make it better, making sure they're accountable and accountable to the taxpayers, but we gotta recruit the very best and brightest into our system and teacher pay is a big component of that and we're pretty far apart on teacher pay right now and I hope that we can we can negotiate a, a much better pay situation than what's in that budget right now. If you, if you vote to override my veto, uh, you are voting for paltry pay raises for teachers, and that's not what we want.
0: All right, let's talk about um, school infrastructure. Um, estimate, and this is before the last hurricane. God, we're heading into that season again. I pray that we're gonna be okay this year. We had $8 billion in need. You advocated for a large statewide school bond. Initially, Speaker Moore, um, Superintendent Johnson advocated for one too, but what came out of the General Assembly was something that was SCIF, a State Capital Infrastructure Fund, a pay-as-you-go plan. Um, And you, that was another thing that you said. What sort of, why why one or the other for you? Why do you, why
1: did you favor bond in the first place? First, I think a school bond allows the people to be involved in this and to vote for it. Secondly, everybody knows where the money is going to go. We'll figure out, first and foremost, what counties need, how much help. And when you vote for that bond, you'll know exactly how much money your county's getting and the Board of Education and superintendents there can plan for the kind of construction that they want and can prioritize it. Secondly, his, these interest rates right now are historically low. Right. It is a great time to borrow money. North Carolina's a triple-A rated state and we have to work hard to protect that, but we have plenty of room in our debt affordability. If we did the $2 billion bond for public schools, we would not increase. It's incre- not enough, right? It, but it's a good not start. Not enough, but, it, but we wouldn't de- increase our debt service payments. And and so the, what the legislature has done, however, is the State Capital Infrastructure Fund, the SCIF, that essentially skims money off the top. They've got it at 4%. Stuffs the money under the mattress. Right. and says we're gonna pay for these schools ten, year down, 10 years down the road. Well, what you're doing is leaving this to the whims of future legislatures. They can easily change their mind right. and we don't know schools won't be able to plan the right way. So you know, I understand what they're trying to do and, and I fear what they're trying to do is shrink the availability right. of money to invest in our public schools because when you skim it off the top, that's like using your gas money to buy a car. I mean, you're using the money that we need to increase teacher pay. I understand they're very wedded to this. So I've made in my compromise proposal a combination for a school construction bond, also with community colleges, universities, and water infrastructure, which we can talk about. And partly the SCIF, just trying to find a middle ground area give and take to, to get this done, and still, yet no response. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we
0: get back, I want to talk a little bit about, about vouchers, talk a little bit more about virtual charters, and then I want to talk about Medicaid. We'll be right back with Governor Cooper. Stick around.
1: Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives.
0: Well, welcome back to Education Matters. We're still here with Governor Cooper. Governor, thank you again for, uh, for the time today. You mentioned in our uh, last uh, last segment we talked about um, private school vouchers. Um, that was one of the reasons why. Um, now, you originally, in your original budget, your first proposal, you called for elimination of funding. But I believe in your counter-proposal, you're suggesting the, keeping funding for students who are already receiving them but no new money. So you're still not comfortable with the concept, it sounds like, of of private school vouchers.
1: I'm not. I think it siphons money away from our public schools. We only have so much to invest. And this money's unaccountable. Uh, We have no way of knowing whether the students that are going to these private schools are getting the kind of education that they need. I know this is something that's been uh, a real project of the Republican leadership. I felt better just eliminating the funding, but realizing that they weren't ready to do that, my compromise proposal was that, okay, let's let everybody keep them the has them and let's don't do any new ones. And in fact, we need to, to analyze this and, see, and if it, see if it's providing the kind of education that we need. I don't think that it is. Uh, they have a, a lot of money that they have not even been able to give to students because there hasn't been that much of a demand for it. So they're still trying to put more money into something that the demand has not been there. So I think we've made a good compromise proposal on this. The thing is, this Republican legislature has gotta understand that they can't have it their way this time, that they have to negotiate with me and other members of the General Assembly to try to find common ground and honest give and take. And I think that's what the people of North Carolina want. And we've tried to begin that process by compromising where we wanna be with the understanding that that's what we're gonna have to do to get a budget. Because yes, we need a budget. Schools are coming in, we have gotta do the things we need to do.
0: Right. Um, you also, uh, this past week, uh, vetoed, um, I believe it was your only your third veto, as I mentioned earlier, Senate Bill 392, which uh, it did a number of things, but the, 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 for the signature part, or maybe the more controversial part, was um, lifting the enrollment cap and automatically expanding the enrollment in, in um, virtual charter schools. There's two of them that, are, that were created as a pilot by the General Assembly. What was your rationale on that?
1: Here again, we're investing in something that is unproven as of yet. Uh, I want the State Board of Education to take a long look at these schools and whether they do what we want them to do. Uh, The two that are involved right now have been very low performing. So why should we lift the cap and put more students in it when we really don't know for sure what the effects are at this point? So I want to have the authority there at the State Board of Education to really look at this and before we are having to legislatively force uh, the cap to to be raised. It is about accountability, Keith, and it's about getting our kids the very best education we can get for them. Right. Now,
0: I I do want to talk to you about Medicaid now. We've been talking for a while and it hasn't come up yet. Now, one of the criticisms from the um, leaders of the General Assembly is that that's your only focus. So that's the only reason why that we're, we're here today um, in this impasse is on Medicaid expansion. Um, now, it has been central to your rationale for vetoing the budget. And when we were down with our cameras talking to teachers and when they came and marched again in the spring, Medicaid expansion was one of the things they called for. Now. I guess for viewers and for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious why someone who is um, the the working poor who can't afford insurance would benefit from expansion because they would get health care. Um, why should why should North Carolinians care about Medicaid expansion themselves? And like, why, why should people who care about education care about it?
1: First, it's important to note that my veto of this budget was much more than about Medicaid expansion, but education, clean water, as well, and how we. Uh, ta- cut taxes and not do it tax cuts for corporations. But I believe that Medicaid expansion and the data shows that everybody benefits. You and I could have a debate about how much the government should be involved in health care, but this is an issue that's already been decided. It's pretty much set in stone in Congress. We're already paying tax money to Washington. It's going to ensure working people in 37 other states, but not North Carolina. It's time to do that. There are a lot of benefits for everybody with Medicaid expansion. First, you got these people who are making too much for Medicaid, but not enough for federal subsidies under the Affordable Care Act. So they wanna keep working and supporting their family, but they can't afford health insurance, and a lot of small businesses can't afford to get it for them. So this helps them get it. But when you reduce uncompensated care for hospitals and providers, you make health care Less costly for everyone. And in other states that have done this, we've seen a 7 to 11 percent improvement in private insurance premiums for everybody else. This will help us fight the opioid addiction crisis. It'll help us with mental health. There are many veterans who don't have uh, access to the VA that will be helped by this. Uh, There will be 30 to 40,000 new jobs that will be created in North Carolina. And I would tell all of your viewers to go to healthcarecan'twait.org, healthcarecan'twait.org. They can go to their county and find out exactly how many more people would have health insurance, how many jobs will be created, and what is the economic investment in that county. Uh, it'd be one of the biggest economic development happenings in many of our rural counties and by the way about 40 percent of our rural hospitals are operating in the red and this will be a tremendous shot in the arm for them theoretically it would have an
0: impact on the issue we just covered on the show last week which is the state health plan and the cost that the hospitals say that they're having to bear because of the uninsured.
1: Medicaid expansion is one of the best things we can do to help control costs because We all pay for uncompensated care because these hospitals, when someone has an emergency, they don't have insurance, they don't have the ability to pay. Everybody else pays for it. And this is an avenue that we can take right now. There are no good arguments against Medicaid expansion. They're only ideological. And what we need is to find a way to get these working people Health insurance for our state. We have a way to do it. I'm willing to be flexible on how we do it, but it's something that we need to negotiate. Are you? I guess you know, getting the prediction business.
0: Last time you and I got into prediction business, we talked about Duke and Carolina and the March Madness, and then they both lost. So, <laughs> but I want to ask you, where are the? I mean, how do you? Are we going to get back to? The, are you going to get to the table? Are we going to get a budget? I mean, we're a month in.
1: Well, I think we're in a place that North Carolina state government has never been before. Uh, We have a governor who's vetoed a budget and that veto cannot be overridden at this point, so I think we're going to have to have real negotiations between the executive and legislative branches. I can't predict what's going to happen. I know what should happen, and I know what the people expect us to do, is to sit across the table, understand that we have differences. This is why I've tried to come forward with a compromise that tries to see things from their perspective. Honest give and take we need, and I think the people are gonna demand that of us. Last question, and this is, I'm gonna give it a little bit of short shrift, unfortunately.
0: Governor's Commission on Access to Sound Basic Education, uh, Leandro, a couple big things coming up, some recommendations coming, potential court orders, potential settlements. Um, we're gonna do more on the show about it. But how big of a deal is this for public education and for the state of North Carolina?
1: This can be a foundation where we can get private, uh, legislative, uh, people who care about education to make sure that every single child has access to a sound basic education because it would involve the legislature, it would involve the courts, and we have a policy group that's coming in to, to provide some excellent advice to us. One of the things we know is investment early in a child's life is critical to that child's learning and their ability to be able to succeed in the future. We wanna make sure that that child that's born in a poor area, uh, in a rural area, has got the same opportunity as everybody else. And the kids who are at risk, that North Carolina recognizes that and that we've got the foundation to do it. And I think this lawsuit Uh, Everything that's happening with our commission has the ability to form the nucleus of significant improvement in education in our state over the next few years. I'm excited about that.
0: We're going to talk more about that when when all of that comes up. Governor, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate the, uh, the, the comments and the time today. Thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break, and when I come back, my final word. Thanks again to Governor Cooper for sitting down with us this week. I am hopeful to have some of the Republican leadership from the General Assembly on next week to share their perspective. A final thought on the budget. In some ways, North Carolina is fortunate that there is a law that keeps the state's operations funded even without a budget. There will be no government shutdown or furloughs like we've seen in Washington. There are, however, key priorities that Republicans and Democrats both say they want including raises for teachers and state employees, and increased funding for school infrastructure that are linked to having a final budget. What the state needs, and what I think they voted for in 2018, was for the two parties to work together on the state's business. Now, you know us, the Public School Forum of North Carolina focuses on the needs of our public school students, teachers, and school leaders. While the standoff on this budget drags on, our public schools are set to start a new school year still without adequate classroom supplies, in many cases in outdated school buildings that can't keep the rooms cool in this blazing southern heat, or dry during the rainy hurricane season, and without nearly enough teacher assistants, school counselors, and highly effective teachers and school administrators. Surely our elected officials can find enough to agree on to tackle these issues right now. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.